welcome back. Here we are underneath the Heisman Trophies in Heritage Hall in Studio A. I'm your host, Yogi Roth, on the Season of Sam podcast, joined by Sam Darnold. Sam, this is episode two of the podcast. Curious what the reactions was like on campus for you and your community after the first ep with Trent Dilford dropped. Uh, excitement. You know, I think just being able to being able to learn from a guy like Trent and expect that every single week, you know, it, it's going to be fun. A lot of talk about the receivers you have to replace. Hmm. But and anybody can read about those receivers at USCTrojans.com. But I'm curious about a receiver who showed up last week. Uh, his name was Taylor Hammond. Hmm. What's his skill set like? How yeah. did you guys meet? And how did he do in his performance, in your opinion, as you guys close camp? Unbelievable. You know, Co- Coach told us we had a new receiver coming on board. You know, was kind of skeptical. Didn't know if he'd be able to get the playbook, uh, you know, the, within the first couple of days. But he, he got it right away. Um, he's a special kid, uh, special skill set for sure. You know, he's got, he's got the size, the hands, you know, the speed, all of it. So, um, you know, I was just, it was exciting, you know, working with Taylor um, being able to learn from him as best I can. I love it. And Taylor Hammond, if you didn't know it, a uh, 10-year-old um, who has battled leukemia for four years, and he had the ability to play catch with you. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you growing up as a child, there's that <clears throat> image that circulates the Internet of you rocking the USC jersey. Yeah. When you see somebody like him come to SC practice, know what it's like around here, and have the ability to play catch with the quote-unquote quarterback, do you remember what it was like to be a child? Yeah, uh, coming to my first USC game, uh, can't remember honestly if this was my first one or not, but this was kind of the first experience that made me want to come back. Uh, it was a Notre Dame game. We were playing Notre Dame, and uh, we ended up sitting in a section with all Notre Dame fans, and it was pouring rain, and these Notre Dame, these fans were so nice to our whole family. who We were just covered in cardinal and gold. Uh just total USC fans, but just to be able to go there and hate Notre Dame and then come back, you know, a fan of what they do at Notre Dame. You know, I still wasn't a Notre Dame fan by any means, don't get me wrong, but um, just to be able to, for people to just have respect for each other in the sporting community and in the Coliseum especially, and just to experience that was something special. Um, uh, my, my parents always, or my dad especially, you know, uh, raised me to be a USC fan and showed me, you know, what it was like, but never forced me by any means to, to do that. But just taking me to my first USC game, I was definitely a fan from then on out. All right. Well, let's bring in our first live guest into the studio here, Coach Clay Helton. Coach, w- when you first heard about this podcast format where Sam, instead of receiving the questions, he would be asking the questions. What was your thought? And did you know you'd be on the short list of interviews? I'm honored to be one. Uh, This is one of my favorite guys on earth and uh, have a chance to get interviewed by him. Uh, It helps. You don't get to hear him talk very much. So this is is a special thing. I love that. All right. So Sam's going to take over here. The only question I have, Coach, we've talked a lot about uh, a coach's job. I'm curious what you think your role is as a coach, you have 105 mm-hmm. student athletes, you're in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. you've come from a coaching background, and now you've done it full time here mm-hmm. for, for a year, and here we are about to kick off the mm-hmm. season. What do you believe the role of your job is? Well, I, I have the honor, I've got three children by birth, and then I've got the 105 I've got an honor to adopt. And I've always viewed it as it's not all X's and O's. It's about the development of a young man, both on the field and off. And um, my wife, Miss Angela, and I take a lot of pride in that. And to be able to know that we are dealing with 18-year-olds that are young men, and when they leave us, they're going to be 21-year-old professionals, and hopefully that's on and off the field. And to be able to be a part of their life on a daily basis, and not just not just the coach, but also dealing with the struggles of what comes with being a student athlete in today's time. You know, those are the things that I enjoy. Um, the football part is really easy. It's the other things that are involved uh, when maybe losing losing a loved one, maybe losing a girlfriend, maybe struggling in class, uh, going through an injury, um, and, you know, things that they're dealing with maybe for the first times in their life. Um, I'm glad that myself, my wife, and our football family is here to be able to help them through that. That's that's what I love about you the most, honestly. <laughs> when, when people ask me, uh, you know, what's your favorite part about Coach Helton or 
stuff that he does that certain head coaches might not do. And I was actually just talking about it in my comm class. Uh, comm 381, our professor was talking about um, how much business is involved with mm-hmm. college sports now. And um, the fact of the matter is if, if we don't win, you don't mm-hmm. keep your job. Mm-hmm. And, and we've had several conversations about that. But mm-hmm. I guess how much of it is – obviously a lot of it is winning, mm-hmm. but – how much do you really like love and care for mm-hmm. guys like myself, you know, the, the mm-hmm. athletes and the football players? Mm-hmm. How much do you really care about the academic standing of them mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. their lives? Yeah, you know, it's last spring was a really special moment for me to be able to see 27 young men walk across the stage to get their diploma. Um, that's, that's as exciting as winning a Rose Bowl to me. Um, you know, the the aspect of being a coach uh, in today's time, yes, uh, we all get the reality that winning is extremely important uh, to be able to, to keep your job. And, but at the end of the day, when I'm done with coaching, I think the relationships between your coach and, and, the, and his players are so special. Um, it's the reason that you can be successful. Um, is to, for I've, I've always believed that you know there has to be this uh, unique level of trust between a coach and his players, and there's only a cur- certain ways you can develop that trust. You know, the the first is a player's got to trust the character of his coach. The second is he's got to trust that he's knowledgeable and competent and can develop him into the player that he wants to be. You know, third is he's got to truly believe that the coach cares for him, not just from a football sense, but a total life sense and everything involved in his life. And then the last thing, and this is always, in my opinion, the hardest thing to do, is you have to be able to look a a young man in the eye and be brutally honest with him, um, to actually tell him the brutal honest truth of where he stands, where his strengths are, and where his areas of growth are. And, you know, when you build that trust and you build those relationships, then you can survive maybe one in three because kids trust that you truly care about them and you're going to work to get them to where they want to be. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Um, and, again, that's what I've appreciated about you the most mm-hmm. since becoming a player. I mean, coming in here my freshman year, if I didn't have someone who was brutally honest with mm-hmm. me, you know, probably wouldn't be the player I am today mm-hmm. and probably wouldn't still be growing the way I am today. Um, with that being said, you give a lot of time to the football team and mm-hmm. your responsibilities outside of this. Mm-hmm. So... Um, what do you do when you get when you get a break? Do you spend uh, that time with your family? Or? Yeah, you know, my, my dad, I, I'm very fortunate because my dad was in the profession for over 40 years in both college and pro. And what I, I really appreciated about my dad was um, we knew how hard he worked and we knew he had to work hard to be able to be successful, to put a roof over our heads and provide a life for me and my brother. Um, but what I appreciated about him the most is when he stepped away from the game, it was all us. Mm-hmm. There was nothing else. There was no hobbies. There was no, and if it was a hobby, he was taking us with him, whether it was <laughs> take, taking us fishing or hunting, it was always with him. Um, and he, and that's before I married Miss Angela, he made me write down my three priorities, uh, before taking my first job at Duke university. And, um, I wrote down faith, family, and football. It's been used a bunch, but Mm. those were my three. And he said, you make sure that you always come back to that and understand that when you leave football, you know, whether that's a Thursday night, a Sunday night, you're not going out with the guys, you you know, you're not going out to do some hobby. You're going out to do your next job, which is to be a father and a husband. And, um, he was just a great role model for me and a great example of how you're supposed to handle yourself as a as a college football coach. Right, um, that's awesome. People people talk about kind of how life has changed for me ever since the Rose Bowl, but mm-hmm. how has your life changed ever since becoming the head coach of USC? Um, you know, I, I've always wanted to have the opportunity to be a head coach, um, and I'm so thankful that. Uh, it didn't happen earlier in my career. Um, you know, sometimes you, you, you wait for it, you go, gosh, why, why am I not getting this chance? But it was really 20 years worth of experience uh, as an assistant coach and being in college football that really helped me last season. 
to understand that um, you're going to face adversity. There's going to be highs and lows, but to stay on an even keel, to be able to show confidence, even though things aren't going great, uh, to understand that, you know, how you react is how 18 to 21 year olds are going to react um, and the importance of relationships. So those 20 years of training really helped me. Um, how has things changed? Um, Probably just the responsibility and of no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, not really that. I would leave that yeah. to you. You could have, you could have all that. They don't need to see my bald head. Uh, but uh, they, uh, it, it's been, it's been such an honor to be at this place. Yeah. You know, to be at USC, and to understand the tradition of excellence that's here. Um, and to have the opportunity to re represent that in our time period, this is our time. You know, mm. we're getting to drive the car right now. And to have that honor to be able to do that, man, that's special. It makes the hair stand yeah. up that this is this is our window of opportunity. Right. And uh, it's that's what's changed for me the most is to know that, man, you've dreamed about this your whole life mm -hmm. and you're getting the opportunity and you're surrounded by really, really great men. Um, both as players and as coaches. Mm -hmm. And uh, to have that, that's uh, pretty unique. It doesn't come around very often. No, it doesn't. Um, but, I mean, again, when players come to this campus and they mm -hmm. want to know why, why should I come to USC, mm -hmm. you know, guys going through the recruiting process, mm -hmm. does it, like, do you just sometimes want to say, like, this is USC, like, there's nothing really to explain. Yeah, it's just something about this tradition. Yeah, I, I think it's such a great product that we have here. And, and when you step on campus, you understand that this is the best combination mm -hmm. of academics and athletics in the world. You know, you, you're talking about the 15th ranked academic university in the United States um, and a tradition of excellence athletically that may be second to none. You know, you look at, and that's in all 21 sports. Um, and then you come here, and what truly separates this place, at least in my my opinion, um, is its people. Um, yeah. Because there are no bad universities. Um, they wouldn't be in business. There's no bad ones. Um, but here, the people is what makes it special. Everybody has nice stadiums. Everybody has nice buildings. You know, everybody's got the fancy uniforms. Uh, but here you're developing a true relationship with people not only in athletics but in academics alumni um, in your field and it's just there's a special special relationship with almost 400,000 Trojan family uh, as well as the city of Los Angeles that has a 125 year relationship you know with this university so not only alumni but the people that have lived in the Los Angeles community, I mean, this is their school. This is what they've seen for 125 years. So um, it makes it truly special. It's, in my opinion, the best combination of academics and athletics there are in the country. Yeah, and I would completely agree. I mean, just from my experiences, mm -hmm. uh, I, you know, I'll walk into a class and I'll, sit, I'll try to sit next to someone new every single mm -hmm. day. Um, you know, after the first few weeks, you know, mm -hmm. you, you kind of get tired of that, and then you mm -hmm. just kind of, you find your groove, you find your friends, and mm -hmm. you kind of sit with them. But I really do make it a point to sit by new people because you never know mm -hmm. who that person might know or mm -hmm. who, who their parents might be. So, yeah, I think that's that's super interesting. But, again, just going back, because you're such a family man, we, mm -hmm. we all know that. Um, just going back to your family, I kind of, is the love you show for Miss Angela, is that, is that describable or is, uh, is that just something? Well, she's very special to me right. because obviously we met when we were 15 years old. Mm -hmm. um, it took me two years to get a date. I did, did some, <laughs> a serious recruiting to get a date. Uh, but uh, uh, finally at 17, I got one. And then, you know, to, to be in love with such a special woman, um, who's been with me through this roller coaster ride of college football? We do it together, and we always said if we got in this position, that I I didn't want to shun her away from it. I wanted her to be involved in everything, because what I've seen over 23 years of college football is not everybody has the example when they come here of having a mom and dad, and uh, to see uh, a full-grown male adult put his wife on a pedestal and how they're supposed to, how you treat your wife, how you treat your daughter. Um, 
what it is to be a man, you know, and take care of your family. And the only way to be able to do that is to have Miss Angela around. Um, whether it's doing the goodie bags, whether it's family dinner night, whether it's on our team playing, traveling. You know, when we got, when we finally got this job, we knew we were going to do it together. And I wanted our players to have that relationship with her um, to understand that this is what a marriage looks like. Mm -hmm. This is what a, a father and a mother look like. This is an example, if you didn't have it in your own life, that hopefully you will one day, you know, when it's your turn. So it, it's important to us, and plus I like her a lot. I like her around. <laughs> yeah, um, I think that's one of the best things you do, too, is just lead by example. Mm -hmm. um, I think I'm the same way. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously there are other leaders who lead vocally, which mm -hmm. is which is awesome. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I obviously like to take mm -hmm. guys one-on-one. -on -one. You know, that's just mm -hmm. kind of my style. Yeah. Other guys are more grab the whole team together. Mm -hmm. um, hype them up, do whatever they need mm -hmm. to do. But when you were playing uh, during your day, mm -hmm. what was your leadership style and how were you as a player? Mm -hmm. Well, I, I, and you mentioned, and I think these are what the best players and best coaches do. And the best advice I was ever given was from my dad who said, just be you. Be yourself. You know, mm -hmm. Be you as a leader. Because uh, <clears throat> whether it's a teammate or whether it's an 18 to 21 year old, um, and you're the coach, you can smell falseness a mile away. Um, and so if you, if you are anything other than yourself, um, it's not going to help you. And that's what Dad told me. Hey, you don't have to be Coach Saban. You don't have to be Bill Belichick. You don't have to be Vince Lombardi. Be Clay Helton. Be you. Um, and, and you got the job because of that. The kids trust you because of that. It's the same for you. And what I've really appreciated about you in the leadership role is you've never changed. You know, you do it your way, which is you've always led by example. And instead of being bold and brash and calling somebody out in front of everybody, you take the time, which we always say the greatest gift you can time. give somebody is your time. Mm -hmm. You take the time to go put your arm around them and whisper in his ear and say, hey, let me talk to you. Um, and that is just as powerful as anything as you can do in a group. Um, you know, I, I've always, my style um, has always been there's a time for communication mm -hmm. and and then you know there's a time that uh, I love to compete and I love to get a little fiery um, and you choose those times um, it's not every time um, but uh, I truly believe that there's a time to communicate and explain what's going on and then there's a, some time to show some passion too so I'm a little bit of a mix of both yeah um, just interested in kind of that leadership how, how has that grown from when you were a player in college mm -hmm. to now um, uh, well, I wasn't as good a player as you. Uh, so, uh, I, <laughs> I don't know I, about that. I guess no, we might have to look at the team. Yeah, you, know, you were a lot better player than me. But, um, I, you know, I think, you know, both of you and I have played the quarterback position. We've had the honor to play the quarterback position. And the one thing that um, I understood that even though maybe I wasn't the starting quarterback or the star quarterback, um, you understood the position was first about intangibles. Um, and I think any leader, any leader has to be able to have those intangibles to show, hey, this is the example of what a Trojan is. You know, the day you stepped on campus till right now, until this day, you have led, you have led by the man that you are. Um, your leadership is because of who you are inside, and you represent our Trojan family each and every day, and you understand that. And that's a huge part of the quarterback position because you and I both know we're looked at every snap mm -hmm. from our body language to how we conduct ourselves. You know, uh, those intangibles are so, so important. Everybody knows decision-making, timing, and accuracy. But the two areas that get lost in quarterback play is how you manage yourself. Where, what are your intangibles? And do you produce? Mm -hmm. You know, I've never seen a great quarterback on a bad football team. And I'll never forget you in high school, your junior year, you get hurt. And I think Coach yeah. Ortiz won about two games. And the, basketball, <laughs> the basketball team won about four. You know, yeah. and then you came back your senior year, and you want you win titles for both teams, and that's that's the other aspect of what a great quarterback does. He leads with his intangibles, and then he produces for his team. Yeah, um, well, I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, appreciate the kind words, but that's kind of what we talked about with the it factor. Um, I don't know if you kind of want to explain that to coach a little bit, but I, I honestly don't know how to explain that. 
Um, so if you just kind of want to explain that and maybe dive into that a little bit. Yeah, we uh, went around the country last year asking coaches and quarterbacks mm-hmm. about that word. And we, yeah. I think it's the most overused, undefinable <laughs> phrase in the history of sport. Yeah. And I like, as a broadcaster, I was like, I'm never going to say it on air. Yeah. Like, I'm going to define it. Mm-hmm. And what we found um, was that the if factors, when you walk into the room, people can feel you. Mm-hmm but you make them all better. Mm-hmm. And watching Sam uh, from high school to now just observing your guys' program, mm-hmm. being around him, mm-hmm. uh, he clearly does that. Mm-hmm. I- I'm curious for you how, do you, how do you recognize that with someone who isn't vocal? But I think coaches can have it too yeah. Yeah. in a weird way. Mm-hmm. But. Mm-hmm. Well, I've always, in evaluating quarterbacks, I, I've hate, I hate to watch film. Because um, everybody has a great highlight tape, you know. Um, I've always liked to watch quarterbacks in person, because body language is everything. And it's not sometimes it's not when things are going right, but when things are going wrong, and how you handle that. Um, what are you doing when things aren't going all the way right? Um, you know, my favorite part of being able to watch Sam uh, his senior year is I had the opportunity to go out and watch him play a game. And he basically had as good a game as you could possibly have. In the first half, he goes 13 and 13, those five touchdown passes. And, and, and that's impressive. But what was more impressive is when they got up in the game and he was taken out, that his mind didn't leave the game that he was cheering on his team, that he was coaching young guys. He just, the game wasn't over for him, and it just spoke volumes to me. Um, going back to those intangibles or going back to it, um, it, there's something inside you that is a born leader, and it's you can't see it on tape. You have to go and witness the game and see, the, see off the field what, what he does. Um, that's what made him truly special in my mind when we were evaluating him. And when you, because I can see it on the field sometimes, mm-hmm. I can see that you miss playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just telling Yogi, if I, if I make a throw mm-hmm. and it's to, you know, a 10-yard in cut mm-hmm. and the post behind it is uh-huh. wide open, uh-huh. you know, I can just see you in film. I might not see it right then, but in film I see you behind yeah. me just, gosh dang it, why didn't we throw that ball? Yeah. But um, So how much do you actually miss playing and how much of that can you get out of coaching? Um I have so much fun coaching because I, I can't do what you do. Um, I can't do what those guys out there do. Um, y'all are so talented. But to have a piece of being able to teach somebody something, being I've always considered coaching being an educator. Um, I don't care whether you're a high school teacher, uh, a professor in college. When you teach a young man or young woman something, um, and you physically watch them do it based mm-hmm. on your tutelage, there is no greater feeling. There is no greater high. There is, it is just absolutely the most special thing on earth to say, you know what, um, you were able to teach a young man how to do something. He had the skill set to be able to accomplish that. He was, that was God-given. And to see those two come together, man, that's, that's as special as it gets. Mm. I love it. Coach, um, you, uh, you talked about having to evaluate quarterbacks in mm-hmm. person. You've seen Sam on TV a lot, mm-hmm. but this was in person. Can we get mm-hmm. an eval before we let you go? <laughs> well, I, I tell you what, that it may be the most words I've heard him say in 15 <laughs> minutes since, since we've been together, uh, but I've been very impressed. Pre- he was prepared and uh, yeah, very, you. very good questions. Oh, thanks. Very I good appreciate questions. it, yeah. Very. Trying not to grill you too much. But, <laughs> you made I, it I, easy I, for I, me. Yeah, I know you get enough of that. Yeah, you, you laid up some softballs there, so I appreciate it. Coach, we appreciate you coming down. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Interviewing your head coach, how was it for the first time? It was fun. Uh, I got a lot of a lot of tidbits that I didn't know earlier. Um, I've had a lot of conversations with him, with him, but usually it's all about ball, and it was good to be able to find some things out about his personal life. He talked a lot about intangibles mm. and body language when he recruited you. A guy who defines body language, CBL, I believe he calls it, is Ivan Lewis, the head strength and conditioning <laughs> coach, championship body language. Um, yeah. How has your relationship with Ivan developed from not just when you showed up here and he can retool right. your body, but from last year and working on the little minutia, right. whether it's your hips, whether it's your motion, how have you guys attacked that this year? Um, first of all, uh, when we're in team runs, when we're doing conditioning, we're not allowed to put our hands on our hips um, because we don't want to signal defeat at all to the enemy. And I think that's something that's super important, something that we take very seriously here. 
but yeah, just with the strength staff on a different note, I have been working on my hips. Um, we've done a lot of stretching. Uh, I've, I've needed to work on my flexibility a lot just because, um, you know, going through a whole season, uh, I haven't really done that before, especially college season. Uh, you, you go through a lot of, kind of, your body goes through a lot of ups and downs. So I was able to kind of, throughout this off season, just put together a solid plan of, you know, what I'm going to do throughout the week to be able to stay flexible for the season and also be able to take those hits um, and deliver the ball on time. And, you know, that goes along with also working on my release that I've been working on and firing my hip more. I love it. All right, mm-hmm. so next up, it's a candid interview with Ivan Lewis, head strength and conditioning coach. For everybody listening, get your hands off your hips <laughs> if you want to compete like Sam Donald. Sam, we appreciate you coming. We'll be right back yeah. with Ivan Lewis. I'll tell you what, I can't wait for this ball game. It's my first year on the staff here, USC-Texas game. Not the greatest of memories, so this one's going to be interesting. And there's only a limited number of tickets available for the Trojans and the Longhorns. Get your tickets at usctrojans.com backslash tickets. And what's really unique about this game is that all day long, there will be a sneaker drive that will help tackle homelessness. So donate your shoes to the youth in the Los Angeles community by coming early this game prior to getting your tailgate on as USC hosts Texas September 16th at 5.30 Pacific. Guy that works in the basement in the dungeon is our next guest, Ivan Lewis, head strength and conditioning coach of the USC Trojans. Ivan, welcome to the show, man. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. You got it. All right. Now, a lot of people know your work, obviously, here at USC, but when you go back into your story, it started with Marty Schottenheimer as one of the first influences for you, then Jim Harbaugh when you were down in San Diego, obviously then came up mm-hmm. through SC, a UW, and now back with the Trojans. When you look back on some of the people that impacted the way that you communicate with the next generation of leaders, these student athletes on campus, what are some elements that you've pulled from them? You know, I mean, starting with Jim Harbaugh, probably the first thing would be um, kind of to think outside the box and leave no stone unturned, you know, and and he really kind of looked at the weight room at that point too, kind of for that. And so it was a, a great experience to work with him and see his drive and his passion, even from, you know, his, his first, like, head job at USD and, and just kind of being around his energy was awesome. And then really going around um, in 2004 and five and being around Coach Schottenheimer and just how, how much of a player's coach he was and how much he cared for his guys and cared for his coaches um, and his unique approach to really identify with everybody, um, you know, in, in, including myself. Man, a cool story with that is uh, my brother passed away in 2005 and then coming back to training camp, um, Coach Schottenheimer basically stopped what he was doing uh, and just walked over and gave me a hug and kind of making it more like, hey, uh, family is even more than football. You know, kind of, hey, it's important for me to identify with what just happened, you know, give you a hug, and, and he didn't care. He was in front of anybody and kind of wanted to make sure I was okay. And then, okay, here we go. And practice kept going. Wow. Um, I mean, that's amazing because, you know, your profession, what, what time do you wake up in the morning? 4.30. Okay, you're up at 4.30. You're in the office at like 5.15. <laughs> yeah. That's the only time, by the way, there's no L.A. traffic. Right. Um, but was that the first time for you? Because it's a grind of the profession. We oh, talk yeah. about the coaching grind, but the strength and conditioning grind is, is even yeah. harder because it's so early, so consistent. Was that a moment where you're like, you know, it's about relationships versus about making sure that they get gains in their sure. strength lifts, et cetera? Yeah, I mean, I think up until then, I, I really didn't realize the impact coaches uh, had on players and other coaches and uh, to see him do that really I I identified with kind of how he really you know made it a point to 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 identify hey listen something really significant happened in your life and I want to take a moment out to reflect on that and let you know I'm here Um, when he didn't have to do anything you know I mean so it was really cool I mean and it changed my life as far as coaching too I mean I realized wow that was kind of an aha moment where I thought I am changing people's lives, whether they know it or not. And, wow. you know, that's that's why I do what I do is because I think it's not just about going in the weight room and lifting. It's about, I mean, I remember the head strength coach there, Dave Redding, we used to call him Red Man. His, uh, his whole thing to me was it's 90% psychology, 10% science and lifting. You know, it was all about how you identify with that player to do things that, you know, he or she don't know if they can do. And, uh, and again, the confidence to do that and to – you know, build them into, you know, uh, confident athletes um, to really excel their sport. So it, it, was a, it was a great experience. You, know, you and I were both on the staff 
um, here at SC when Coach Carroll was here. Mm -hmm. So you're in your mid-20s. You've gone from Harbaugh, who is, you know, a pseudo-rock star in the NFL. Right. Um, nobody maybe could project his coaching trajectory <laughs> at that point, but you saw it before anybody oh, yeah, did. Sure. Then you go to the National Football League. Then be here in your mid to late 20s under yeah. Coach Carroll when it's absolutely lit at SC. Yeah. How did it all come together for you, and was that a moment where you're like, okay, I want to be the head strength and conditioning coach at this place someday? Yeah, I mean— I think at that point, just being around Pete's energy, it was awesome. I mean, it was like something I've never seen before. I remember walking on my first day on the job with Chris Carlisle and Jamie Anchar, and basically it was like, I didn't, you know, it was really, I guess, my interview. And, and Carlisle said, okay, coach. And it was like, okay, <laughs> here it is. <laughs> Ryan Khalil, Brian Cushing, you know, Ray Maluga. You're out wearing some sort of outfit. I had to t turn my shirt inside out because the guys were yelling at me for wearing something else. And, you know, I'm sitting there trying to coach, and I mean, you want to talk about pressure? It was right there, and and really, Coach Carlisle was kind of just seeing who I was and what I could do, and if I was going to be the guy that just wanted to do it because uh, you know you wanted to work at USC, or we really had the caliber of a coach to to work there and work with these athletes, and you weren't a fan, you know. So it was awesome, and then and then being around Pete was just amazing. I mean, he still is one of my greatest mentors today. Of just again doing things at the the highest level, and and. Uh, you know, the second place is not good enough. It's always about, you know, being first place and how do you get it? Well, you do it by outworking everybody. What, what a really unique story. I mean, your quote was, um, you didn't just want to be at USC, right? Just wear the colors, wear the right. cardinal goal, get the interlock. You're around a variety of student athletes who, majority of these players at USC were five-star recruits. Oh, yeah, for sure. How do you make sure, how do you figure out when they get on campus, you got a bunch of true freshmen that are about to play right. in their first game of the season here in a matter of days. How do you make sure that it's, they have the tools necessary to compete at the high level that you and Coach Helton and this staff expect versus, hey, I get to be at one of the dopest places in the country for college football? Right. I mean, that's, that's a good question because I think it starts with, you know, one, the recruiting process of what kind of kid they're bringing in, and, and it starts with character and, and a drive to – want to play football and, and want to work. I think that the kids that we get in early, the mid-year guys, I mean, they get a chance to see how we do things for a longer period of time. And uh, they get a chance to see what our culture is. And the, really the culture starts in the weight room because we spend more time with those guys than, than anyone. You know, So i got to be Coach Helton's right-hand guy. i got to be his voice. And what his culture he wants set, you know, we really have to do it between me and my staff. So, you know, the kids come early, they have a head start. They already know what to expect. The kids that we get only a few weeks before camp starts, I mean, it's it's a it's a crash course to, oh, boy, here we go. You know, college football, <laughs> bam, man, you know, here it is. And, uh, you know, I mean, you find out quick because some of them come from good high school programs as far as, you know, weightlifting and training. Some have probably never touched weight before in their life. Um, and you got to find those insecurities, too, because if a kid never touched a weight before, he might – kind of be um, hesitant but use it in a different way where you might think he's not being coachable or you think he's being disrespectful or whatnot, but he's just a defense mechanism. I don't know what I'm doing, but he doesn't want to let the other 20-some guys know that, right? So you really got to look. It's not you can't just judge a book by its cover, you know, the, the old adage. You got to really dig deep in these kids and kind of find out what makes them tick. You know, it's interesting talking to Porter Gustin, who yeah. is basically like your pseudo-younger right, cousin, yeah. your son. You know I mean? <laughs> we'll definitely have a picture up on the website of YouTube side-by-side. Side. Yeah. Uh, but you look at him, Chenna Nuosu, right. Cam Smith. They talk about the SI cover with Cushing, oh, yeah. Clay, Ray, Kaluka back in the day. Yeah. Are they policing it now? Like, like how does the work, yeah. the dynamic? Because you still, they're still kids, right? Like, oh, yeah. as we get older, we realize they're still right. 18 to 22, That's and right. they're veterans in the program, but they're not veterans in life. Right. Like, how do you balance between the veteran element of experience here, but the seeker in some of these young players? They still want to, they still need to be taught how to lead. Yeah, I mean, we all still need to be taught, you know. I, still, I need to be coached still, you know. So I think it's. The, the the great thing about especially having guys that have been in the system for a long time, also having some kids that went through, hey, we're down, we're one and three last year, and it was really those guys that you mentioned that said, okay, hold on, enough's enough. We're way better than this. We're a better football team than this. What's going on that's not allowing us to do that, right? Let's tighten this ship up. And, um, you know, it's when, when us coaches hold them accountable, it, it starts to create that culture. And also when the kids start to hold each other accountable – then you know you've kind of set what you you know what you've established what you want to set, 
And that's really what those guys did. You know, they kind of said, hey, hold on, let's go. Uh, and the culture they've kind of embraced here um, is really one of, okay, listen, you guys may be the younger brothers, and we want you to be part of this, but you're going to do it our way. You know, it's not, hey, you guys are out on the island, you guys are freshmen. It's, no, you're, you're with us. We're going to have to count on you to play with us. When I look to my right or left, you might be lined up next to me, you know, next man up. So we got to make sure you're on our page and you're ready to go, whether it's physically, mentally, whether it's going to class, whether it's, you know, going to meeting that Coach Elton asked you to go to. We need to be able to count on you to do that if we're going to count on you to play football. How do you deal with the individual expectations of the players? Like your corner, yeah. Jack Jones. He comes in as a true freshman. He's like, I'm going to win the Heisman. Right. I mean, it's amazing. You <laughs> yeah, know, you have right? some players who yeah. in their senior game or their, their all-star game, they say, I'm committed to USC for the next three years. Right. You're like, how do you deal with that? Because they come into a competitive cauldron, one yeah. that has true competitive depth now um, with all your numbers being full and where they yeah. are. With the confidence that you want in a player, but sure. the reality of they've got to, you know, maybe developmentally, obviously, yeah. uh, physically as well. I mean, I think it, it always comes down to even like what Coach Carroll used to say. I mean, the best guy is going to play. So if that's a true freshman, it's a true freshman, you know. But I think um, I think as a coach, you also have to be sensitive to – they all think that right now. They all you have these high expectations either themselves or the situation, what's going on. And as especially as a strength and conditioning coach, when you get them – uh, and first of all, the humbling experience is our first couple workouts when all of a sudden they realize maybe I should have done the, the manual Coach Ivan sent me this summer to get ready for the workouts, right? Maybe I should have done that. Maybe what I was doing wasn't working, you know. Um, and then once they start to get through that, they realize, okay, maybe there is some something I need to learn. Uh, okay, now I'm around all the guys and all the vets know more football than I do. Um, maybe that we're all up together, the, the guys are together watching film, and, and they realize, okay, what am I watching on film? You know what I'm saying? Like, all of a sudden, what you think you didn't do in high school isn't college football, right? So I think you have to really kind of just take it, you know, as a coach, too, you hear a kid say that, you're like, okay, I, I hope you do. I hope you win the Heisman your freshman year. That's awesome. You know, I'm never going to tell you not to, but let's get down to reality. Can you do A, B, and C better than everyone else? You know, do you, I think we have a thing here. Do simple better, you know. Are you are you doing something better? Are you pushing yourself? Are you being the best you every day? And if that is, you know, going to win you the Heisman, then awesome. If that's going to get you your, your first start, game one, awesome. If it's not, let's make sure we take care of it on the way so you understand why and we can work towards getting there. You have this category of athletes. You call them survivors, competitors, mm -hmm. and dominators. Break that down for us. Yeah, I mean, it really comes from uh, Gus Bradley and the Seahawks when I was up there, uh, Coach Carroll's first year when I was over at Washington. I was able to go over there and, and really learn from, you know, not only Gus Bradley, but Dan Quinn and all the greats out there. And, um, you know, he categorized guys as survivors, competitors, and dominators. And, and, and he, Pete Carroll talks about the rule of thirds. You know, you're going to have a group of guys that are survivors, a group of guys that are competitors, a group of guys that are dominators. And the goal is really is to have – the majority of your team be competitors. You know, when you look at dominators, I guess a guy that comes to mind would be a, a USC alum, uh, Troy Palmalu, where people always challenge, "Hey, find a, a play he took off." You know, <laughs> he, he you watch his highlight tape. I mean, and, and you can't watch that tape and get chills and just be like, "Wow, like <laughs> what did I just watch?" You know, jumping over. I mean, the thing is just unbelievable. So you know, that's just a, a complete guy who separates himself from the rest, you know, a guy like J.J. Watt, a guy like Brian Cushing, guys guys that just do something that's so outside the norm that it just, you know, they're in that elite class, you know. Uh, then you got majority of your team, they're competitors, and competitors are great teammates. They want to do the right thing. They want to work hard. They want to be good teammates. You can count on them. They're dependable. Um, you know, they're going to come and bring it every day in practice. Uh, you know, they, that is that what you want your team to be made of. But then you got the guys that we consider survivors. And I call it, you walk around the world consciously incompetent. That means you know you're doing the wrong thing, but you're still choosing to do it. So maybe we say, hey, go to class. They say, hey, I get, he's not talking to me. No, we're talking to you, right? Um, hey, you have a little bit of a nagging injury. Uh, a competitor, a dominator, they're going to go in the training room or in the weight room, and they're going to figure out how do I get better, right? Uh, hey, I, you know, my hamstring's been tight. Uh, I'm going to go to the treatment. You know, I'm going to go, you know, do everything I can soft tissue-wise get better. You know, survivor's going to be like, eh, it's someone else's fault why I hurt myself. Right. Well, no, it's not. It's yours because you have all the all everything here to help you, and you choose not to, you know? Uh, you choose not to be coached. They're the guys on the team that are cancers that try to bring other people down. So our goal 
is to grab those guys and bring them up, you know, and, and not allow them to be in that survivor realm. Because I think in the world, the worst thing to be called is a survivor. So if I call you a survivor, it's basically like I'm done coaching you. Yeah. You know? Okay. I'm going to go work out because I don't want you to call me a survivor right now. Yeah, I'm right? already motivated. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, you said the wow factor yeah. when you were watching Troy or if anybody just pulls up YouTube videos um, sure. of Troy Palomalo. I can remember covering the Rose Bowl this last year against Penn State. Yeah. And the game's over and I see it on the field and everybody's celebrating. We're covering it for the Pac-12 Networks. And you had a wow moment in yeah. that game. And it happened to be around the quarterback, yeah. Sam Darnold. What was that wow moment like for you? Because for fans, all they remember is the last couple drives of that sure. ball game yeah. and one of the most iconic wins in about a decade here oh, at yeah. USC. I think it was a it was an eye opening experience for me as a coach because, especially in in my job, I'm supposed to you know remain calm, cool, and collected. You know, like I've been around a bunch of Marines. We've been working with some Marines recently in the past, and I think one of the things that I was talked about as our leader has to be very even keel because. As a head football coach, uh, you know, a commander, whatever it is, if you're all over the map and you're high and low, like that's how your people are going to act around you. That's how your team is going to act. That's how your soldiers going to act. So you have to make sure you're even keel and you're kind of almost non-emotional. Like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm emotionally calm, right? Well, I was complete opposite. I was on the far <laughs> end. <laughs> you you know, and about seventy thousand other yeah, people. Yeah, it's, it's. I'm absolutely losing my mind because I think that the referee wasn't calling something he should have, and again, completely. You know, I should not have. I mean, if I would have got a flag, that would have been on the cover of ESPN. I'm sure, like, what is going on with this guy? And, like, it would have been probably very embarrassing. But I'm losing my mind on this guy on the sideline, and I just get a tap on the shoulder, and it's our quarterback. And he's like, hey, coach, it's cool, man. Don't worry about it. Like, we're going to win this game. And I look at him, and I'm like, is that Carson Palmer? <laughs> like, <No>. what? <laughs> you know, like, Sam. okay, all right, here we go. But, you know, it was like the, the, the players teaching the coach, you know. I mean, here is – what I'm supposed to be demonstrating, and I'm clearly not. And here's Sam, you know, the quarterback playing the game. We're down, and he's like, hey, relax, coach. We're going to win. And I literally sat back for a moment. I was like, all right. And I just kind of <laughs> got back in line, you know. Okay, sideline, you know. Okay, guys, get back. Here we go. You know? <laughs> I cheer it on. Right, here we go. Yeah. But it was cool. And we won the game, and I thought, I mean, literally, that was the first thing that resonated with me, and I thought about it for, like, the next week. I was like, how fast things can change. You get these young men, um, you know, a lot of times six weeks before their freshman year begins, Sam was that that way. Could you tell he was unique early on, or was it that moment in the Penn State game you're like, whoa. I mean, you've been around some talented quarterbacks. Yeah. I think that uh, he just has like this, um, I guess it's like a, de- a demeanor, I'd say, that when you're he, when you're around him, you, you, he's kind of contagious. Like, you want to be around him. He's one of those guys that if you were back in high school, college, whatever, like, you'd want to be friends with. Like, that'd be one of your boys because um, he just got that, that personality where very confident but not cocky. Um, you know, leadership-wise is genuine, right? He's not ever trying to be someone he's not. So he's not out there during summer condition where it's like yelling to yell or, or when he says something, he, he means it and he's going to pull the guy aside and, you know, rip him. But it's not fake. You know, it's, it's, it's a genuine style of leadership, which is very um, it's few and far between, really, in, in football and, and most you know collegiate NFL sports. This guy is who he is. And, uh, and just being around, though, he's always been just kind of like, all right, let's go. You know, um, you can tell he's a winner. You know, he just he just wins. I mean, it's awesome from high school to college. I mean, the guy, he just has that that, that it factor that uh, is contagious. How have you and him, because all of your work is just so specific to, yeah. it's not just, okay, everybody does this right. piece of paper not, on the it's wall. It's definitely not a cookie cutter. Right. So where, for him, when you went back into the offseason, you can kind of rip us through from, okay, the Penn State game. Yeah. My understanding, he's like the first guy in the weight room like a couple days later. Oh, yeah, for sure. All the way until now to level up. His body. I mean, we yeah. can't, you can't control how he's going to read coverages, where he's going to throw the sure. ball. But how do you level right. up, you know, how his body composition, uh, yeah. the mental training, all the things that you guys do in the offseason? Yeah, I think we just had to get, you know, smarter with everything we do. I mean, every year we're trying to figure out new ways to do it better. You know, we're not going to just stay the same. Um, you know, I mean, 2006 here, you look at us and we, we weren't – no one was foam rolling. You know, we had like two or three guys on the team foam rolling you, right? 
So like, you know, if we were if we were still doing the same thing in 2006 we're doing right now, we'd be so far behind the eight ball. So you got to look at the same way you look at position-wise and, and players and, and every even if you have four quarterbacks, not everyone's going to do the same thing because there might be something different the other guy needs and whatever. So um, when you looked at Sam, it was more about, I think, his hip flexibility and mobility. I think it was about a lot of us, you know, we had really had, I, I know everybody says a lot, but we had to attack the core. Like, um, you know, we had to make sure that it, we were putting together the right program for him and what he was doing. And, and really, if you look at the quarterbacks a lot, you know, when they're throwing the ball, whether they're right or left-handed, whatever way they're throwing, if you don't attack the opposite side as well, then you're gonna you're at, you're actually forcing imbalances on this person's body, right? Which is why you see these weird things sometimes, like stress fractures and all this stuff in the back and whatnot. Um, and you're doing them a disservice if you really don't still look at them as an athlete and take care of the whole body, right? And make sure that you're, you know, you're really identifying, you know, his weaknesses. And you have to do that with every athlete, but quarterbacks in general because they're such an integral part of your team. So you know, we really wanted to make sure that. Uh, that one, he, he, you know, recovered from his season, um, that he was healthy. Uh, and then two, we need to make sure, okay, he, you know, here's the battle plan with Sam is we got to really work on his hips. You know, we got to run up, you know, fix some of his mechanics as far as his, his, his running, his throwing. Uh, and, and then really start to lock down his core and really make sure that we're not doing him a disservice uh, in that area. Um, and then as we're getting into in the, in the summer and, you know, training camp, um, one thing we found is a lot with quarterbacks, we get these guys in such great shape coming into uh, or coming out in the summer in a training camp. Also, we get training camp, and these guys aren't really running as much anymore, right? We're spotting the ball. Um, you know, the second string guy's going, you know, third string, okay, now he's kind of standing around. Well, what happens when he's in live games? He's getting chased by that defensive end that wants to knock the everything crap out of him, right? right? Well, he got to hit go. And if we're not hitting go throughout tra training camp or practice, we're again deconditioning them. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the big things we had to look at is, okay, let's make sure that we are getting Sam Darnold ready to play football actually in live situations. And we have to somehow simulate that. Wow, that's interesting. I would have, would have never have known that. Um, there's so much that goes into this game, mm -hmm. into preparing for it as a coach, as a student athlete. And I'll embarrass you, but in your profession, you're known as a one percenter. You know, you're one of those elite guys in your craft. Where has the biggest jump been in your profession to make sure that you take care of these student-athletes in right. a game that is dwindling in yeah. its reputation, in its, participa in its participation, yeah. participation, excuse me? You know, I think that, like, I think one of the biggest things to not be afraid of is technology and recognizing the benefits of technology. And, and we've been really blessed to be doing and to use the catapult system here. And it's a GPS technology that um, we're use, really using for our return to play athletes to make sure that, you know, in, in the simplest terms, we, when guys are coming back from, let's say, a hamstring injury and, and the trainer says, hey, you know what, he's about 80%. Well, what does 80% really mean at that point, right? So 80% of my full speed run is going to be way different than 80% of yours. Or am I really hitting 80% or how does that really feel if I'm not going 100%? So we have a way to, with this technology to quantitatively measure that and tell him live, hey, man, you're only going 60% of what that is. You know, you're, we need you to be running 18 miles an hour. You're running 10, right? Like you're not anywhere close to being ready, okay? So really being a lot smarter how we're getting these guys to come back from injury but also the, the beauty of college football, too, is we can wear this stuff in games so we can measure what a guy looks like coming in after a game, right? So let's just say um, we might look at a, a receiver and we, we, play, we, we play a game and that uh, Sunday, Monday, we look and say perception, you know, eye test. We're like, oh, man, he probably he's probably so tired. Like it was a such a tough game. You know, we probably ran so much. You know, you're thinking about the game, but you're not you're, you're getting caught up in the game and not really necessarily the individual, right? Well, then we can see and, and, and look at him individually and be like, you know what? Actually, he didn't really run that much or he didn't really hit go that many times, you know? He's probably pretty good. He's, he's not really – he didn't, like, hit his – we call it the red zone. He never even touched the red zone. So coming into Tuesday's practice, he should be fine. Whereas we might look at a guy and be like, oh, yeah, it must have been an easy game. And then you actually get the data and you're like, whoa, this guy is wrecked, right? Like – we need to be careful with this guy a little bit. You know, we need, we might need to look at his Tuesday practice or Wednesday and make sure he's ready. You know, Pete Carroll said the best. And I always go back to this all the time. He, Pete Carroll always said, 
you know, guys kind of get on guys when they come back from injury or whatever. Like, oh, look, that must be nice, fresh legs, right? Like, everybody says that, you know? Well, then Pete said to me, he says, one day he goes, well, why don't we always want that? Right. I looked at him like, yeah, you're right, you know? We should always want that. Like, it's a no-brainer. You know, what are we talking about? Why is that not cool? So I guess, you know, the technology also helps us understand, hey, let's make sure these guys do have fresh legs, Mm -hmm. you know, and let's, let's keep them there. It's fascinating. There's so much that goes into it. And as an athlete, as a former athlete, like, and, and you in this role, athletes are seekers. They want to know how their body works, you know, how they can improve it, all those little details. And you guys are obviously giving to them. Before we let you go um, from the studio, Ivan, there is a ton of hype around this team. Mm-hmm. Obviously, every magazine cover, every preseason poll. How have you made sure that it's about the work with the 105 student athletes that show up in your weight room every morning? Yeah, I mean, I think I it's it's almost like just tell them, hey, you know, we haven't played a game yet, you know. I mean, stop looking at all the stuff out there and focus on the now. You know, life's full of moments, right? And every moment is what you should be focused on at that time. So if today's a a Monday practice, and we should be focused on Monday's practice and how are we gonna you know get better today, and trying to keep the guys focused on. You know, the day and task at hand, not the future. The future, if you take care of the day, the future will take care of the rest of us. You know, that, that takes care of the rest of itself. But if you can't focus on the day, well, then, you know, you've already lost because you're, 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 you're completely seeking something that's unattainable at the moment. What's attainable at the moment is today and doing right today, you know, and, and doing everything you can for yourself and really your teammates to, you know, maximize that day. Because if... Ten guys on the field have a great practice, and the the 11th guy didn't. Well, guess what? He's going to do the exact same thing in a game. It's going to happen. So trying to get the the buy-in, and and to be honest, it's cool because I think we do have a mature enough team, um, especially with the strong, you know, the Cam Smiths, the Uchenas, the Rashims, the Porters, you know, Sam, you know, Chris Hawkins, you know, Marvell Tell. We've got this core of guys that have – really matured as individuals to where I really think that they can hold those younger guys who might be the ones that might get a little more caught up in the hype, kind of ground them back down a little bit and say, hey, listen, we're not just going to roll our helmet on the field and win because it's, it's really USC. It's just like it was when we were here with Pete. Um, we are everyone's bowl game, you know? I mean, it doesn't matter who we're playing. Uh, everyone's going to give you a best shot. So if you think for a minute you can't seize that moment to prepare for that game, you're wrong. You know, and I think that's part of my job, too, is to keep our guys grounded and, re- and remembering that. I love it, man. This is a blast. Yeah, it's been awesome. All right, well, thanks for coming into the Season of Sam podcast. We'll make sure we try to get you again for the season. Awesome. Sounds good. Episode two in the books. That was Sam Darnold. One-on-one interview with his head coach, Clay Helton. We also heard from Ivan Lewis, the head strength and conditioning coach. And away we go. It's finally here. It's game week. Make sure you check out the Trojans versus Western Michigan this weekend on the Pac-12 Network. For all information, you can go to usctrojans.com. I'm Yogi Roth. Talk to you next week.